What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. So some updates. You know, some teams played their final spring training game today. We have opening day in just two days as teams head back to their home cities to, to begin the season. To begin the season, that's exciting. That's exciting. As far as I know, every single team is going to have some fans at their stadium, and that's exciting. You know, we're returning back to normalcy. It's looking like it's going to be a pretty normal summer of baseball, and that's always a good thing. That's always a good thing. So we still do not have any resolution on the Francisco Lindor extension talks. The As I mentioned yesterday, the Mets made an offer 10 years, 325, Lindor and his camp countered. They made a counter offer 12 years, 385. So they want that extra, you know, they want those extra two years and $30 million per year. It sounds like they want to be in that Mookie Betts ballpark. You know, Mookie signed for 12 years. I think it was 365. And, you know, if, if Lindor is going for 12 years, 385, obviously he's going to want to meet somewhere in the middle, which is right where Mookie Betts ended up signing his extension. So, I mean, $60 million is what sets these two sides apart as of now. And, I mean, a source says that the Mets had at least temporarily walked away from the negotiating table, uh, that the 10 years 325 was the Mets' best and final offer. But we'll see. We'll see if that is true. We'll see if that is true. I mean, it'd be kind of crazy. I mean, $60 million isn't that much. I, would f- I feel like both, both sides will reach some kind of agreement at this point if they're just two days away and if they're not going to do it over 60 million dollars but then again Lindor will get that money in the offseason if he just waits so it might it might be in his best interest to to not cave to not cave but yeah so that's what's going on on the Lindor front he's still not signed yet but you know time will tell if he is going to agree in other news, the Athletics have named Jed Lowry to their opening day roster. Not only that, it seems like he's going to be their primary second baseman. So obviously, Jed Lowry's had quite a bit of success as an Oakland Athletic. I mean, in 2018, he was with them, and he was an all-star. That was his lone all-star year. He actually received some down-ballot MVP votes because he was phenomenal that season it was it was crazy he was a doubles machine for a couple years there in Oakland he's only ever really been healthy or really good actually in Oakland and he's heading back there he's going to be their second baseman this year but he is old now I mean Jed Lowry is turning 37 in a couple weeks so he's not he's not a spring chicken anymore but he's going to be their primary second baseman and he does have that track record, which is going to play in his favor because the other guys they have, Tony Kemp and Chad Pinder, don't have that. You know, So obviously the A's are going to keep tabs on his workload. But once again, Jed Lowry is going to be Oakland's go-to option at second base. The White Sox have signed Jake Lamb. So they have signed Jake Lamb to a major league deal. And... You know, he's a third baseman, free agent, third baseman. Well, he was a free agent. He spent the spring with the Braves, but then the Braves decided to go with Pablo Sandoval as their backup at third base, and that made Jake Lamb expendable. Now he's signed with the White Sox. I mean, 
he had a small sample resurgence with the A's last year. He posted a 141 weighted runs created plus and 49 plate appearances with Oakland. But obviously before that in Arizona, he had he had been pretty, pretty awful, honestly. So if you combine his numbers between, I mean, he had a 14 weighted runs created plus, plus in Arizona. There you go. So 86% below league average. So if you combine his numbers, it balanced out to a 77 WRC plus. But this is a guy who's been an all-star in the past. So, I mean, the White Sox are a little light on depth. It's not exactly clear where Jake Lamb might fit. The logical jump is that he would be, you know, that this is a reaction to the fact that they lost Eloy Jimenez for most likely the whole season. But there's not really a natural way for them to shift the roster to make that line of thinking really make sense. Because if you realize, Yohan Moncada plays third base, although Moncada has offered to play the outfield in the past. But that would be a lot to ask of Moncada coming off a difficult season he endured in 2020. And more than likely, this is simply organizational depth. He, uh, Jake Lamb could see some time at DH in the event that Andrew Vaughn needs to spend some time in left field. By the way, they have, the White Sox have selected Andrew Vaughn's contract. He is going to be in the major leagues. He's going to make the team. He's, they're not, they're not going to send him down because they need him. They need that bat in the lineup after losing Eloy Jimenez. They need him. And, um, I mean, he's a first baseman, naturally, but we're probably going to see him play some left field. DH first and left, according to the general manager. But they need him in the lineup because their offense is going to be missing Eloy Jimenez. So that's where we stand with that. And the Rangers. The Rangers have designated Rugnet Odor for assignment. He will not make the team's opening day roster. His time as a Texas Ranger is over. And the Rangers actually still owe him $27 million over the next two seasons. And because he has five-plus years of MLB service time, he can still collect that salary even if he clears waivers and is released. But, yeah, I mean, Odor was DFA'd. I mean, designated for assignment. This emphasized the fact that the Rangers are going for a youth movement right now. And it closes the book on... One of the more regrettable financial commitments in franchise history. I mean, nearly four years ago to the day, they signed into a six-year, $49.5 million extension. At the time, he was coming off a two-year run that saw him hit 267 with 49 homers, including 33 homers in the 2016 season. But, you know, on-base skills have always been a cause for concern with Odor. I mean, he was a top 50 overall prospect at one point who really looked to be the part of a slugging second baseman. But nobody really forecasted the fact that he'd have such a stark decline in such a rapid fashion. I mean, he's, he strikes out so much. I mean, he was only at a 19.4 strikeout clip from 2015 to 2016, all the way up to 30.9% from 2019 to 2020. I mean, he did maintain power, but his sky-high strikeout rates just made it difficult to keep his average north of 200. His OBP has routinely been south of 300. This is just... I mean, when you add all those pieces up, you have a guy with a career 728 OPS. I mean, career 88 OPS plus. He's just not, he's not hitting enough. He's not hitting enough. He has some pop there, but he doesn't hit the ball enough to realize that pop. So what can you do? Odor's out of the picture. Elvis Andrews was traded to Oakland. It's a new era for the Rangers infield. They're going to have Isaiah Kiner, Falafa, Manning, shortstop on the regular. Nick Solak is going to get every day at-bats at second base. I mean, Solak's glove work does draw some questionable reviews, but he's a well-regarded offensive 
prospect. He has a good bat. So, yeah, that's that's the end of the Rubnet Odor era in Texas. But that's going to do it for today, folks. That's going to do it. If you enjoyed this, please share with someone who'd be interested, and we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.